Hi, welcome to Baku. Would you like your Formula One with or without porpoising? <laughs> have a choice. <laughs> um, I'll take my F-175 steamed, no vegetables. <laughs> welcome back to Motorsport 101. Another order of delicious steamed hams here from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix here in Baku. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and I'm serving you episode 372 of Motorsport 101 because, uh, look, I'm going to level with you here, audience, and I think the panel would agree with me. This was a 4 out of 10 F1 race. Everything that wasn't to do with this race and... Everything after lap 21 was way more interesting than the actual race itself. And that's what we're probably going to end up spending a lot of our time talking about on this week's episode, because, my God. Um, you know, gentlemen, you know, a short view back to the past. Do you remember the 2022 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, you know, after the missile strike? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I do. Uh, and, I do. And, it was a, it was a and, terrifying and, time. And, and we had a, a, a wonderful act of violence after the missile strike. And that was Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen playing uh, DRS chess at 200 DR miles chess. an hour. Yeah, at 200 miles an hour. And we thought, I could get used to an entire season of this. Oh, like, yeah. This, this was like, we, we were like, this new era is great. The cars are good. They can follow each other. We got passing. We got competitive cars. We got back and forth. No. <laughs> Ferrari decided that was too good for us. <laughs> Ferrari had to bring us back to Earth to remind us what Formula One can be. So they decided to detonate not one, but two of their cars this weekend. Technically, three of their cars, if you want to include Kevin Magnussen um, and Guan Yu Zhao. So I guess four, four, four Ferraris. Four, four of their cars, three of them drivetrain related. <laughs> um, the Prancing Haunts strikes again. Yes, that's Cam Buckley there, uh, talking about the Prancing Haunts, <laughs> and uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. We do write notes for these podcasts. I can tell you regarding the first question regarding Ferrari, all he has decided to post is a picture of Godzilla face palming. I think that just about sums it up, if, if I do say so to myself. To, to further emphasize, I have posted the original poster of the 1998 Godzilla film starring Matthew Broderick from the creators oh. of Independence Day, uh, which is described as, quote, an expertly designed theme park of a ride of a movie that packs nonstop thrills. Is that a theme park if, ride if or is it a movie? If only it was actually a Godzilla movie. <laughs> I know. Godzilla. It, it's not even a bad movie. It's just not a Godzilla movie. They kill no, him it's... with missiles. Godzilla <laughs> does not care for missiles. <laughs> Can you tell Cab is a big Godzilla fan by any chance? <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely don't have the. Uh, I definitely don't have the entire first series on Blu-ray and oh, second series. Yeah. And uh, third I series. missed a lot of this Baku Grand Prix. I'll admit, I, I was uh, because uh, in in a re in a shocking <laughs> repeat of the year 2016, they put Baku on the same weekend at Le Mans, and they put Le Mans on the same weekend as Baku. But they weren't paying me to cover Baku, now were they? No. No, and unfortunately, this time Lama wasn't all that exciting. Unless you were a Corvette driver, and, and in that case, it was exciting because you kept getting fucking killed. 
not ideal, not ideal at all. That was RJ O'Connell um, talking about the bastardized movie of Zilla. Ryan Key, bring some normality to the force, please. <laughs> oh no! In the notes, I just, I just said when you asked how are Ferrari's championship chances, I just replied, uh, "It's dead, Jim." I hate that the first time I saw that, I he spat out my drink. You know what? You, you know what? I, it's just it's just dawned on me. <laughs> uh, apologies for the viewers. I might not all be all the way here for this episode. Um, I have COVID. Oh, <laughs> uh, just 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 straight up, I have COVID. I tested positive this morning, <laughs> making my throat feel weird. Um, it just dawned on me that we had a scuderia on the podium this weekend, and it wasn't Ferrari. Don't, don't, and I wanna, I, I <laughs> they build a car that could they build two cars that could run twenty four hours distance, and they have good drivers, and they have a good team in Yost Racing, and a bunch of mechanics that are there to support them. And that is the last I will say on this matter. Dre, where can other people find what we do? Yes, you can find our stuff all over the interwebs. Um, if you dodge all the Godzilla posters, you can find our YouTube account now motorsport101.com. Um, all our also means on our most website motorsport101.com. There's youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. There's our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 on there. You got our Twitter account at motorsport underscore 101. If you have to follow our personal handles, you can on Twitter at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at CBuckley917. If you do follow me on Twitter, be prepared for weird question polls about orange juice because anyone who drinks that shit with pulp. Um, is no longer my friend. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at motorsport101pod on there for updates on all that content on there. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 for any access to episodes and some extra stuff on there as well, including written reviews on our website with all of uh, all the all the reviews we do here as well from me and yours truly some bonus content so if you want to hear extra words from me on azerbaijan on indycar at road america soon and some me venting my spleen a lot of moto gp action um because uh, there's a lot of little things that i needed to get off my chest regarding that series check it out on the blog section over there so, gentlemen can we put this off no longer? I don't think we can. I think we have to talk about Azerbaijan, and I think we have to talk about Ferrari. Um, should I order uh, the therapy now or later? Um, I'll take a I'll take a double dose of narcotic and some uh, engine oil that's still in the crankcase. Uh, uh, can I get a glass of red lean over ice, please? Ooh, yep, yep, yep. Um, King, your usual two absinths. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a, a nice fresh glass of. Freshly squeezed orange juice uh, without pulp, please. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were gonna. I thought you were gonna say freshly squeezed Red Bull, and I'm like, they just throw Red Bull on Red Bull trees, and that's how they make it. Yeah, they yeah. Just don't you know they just ju- they just juice the bulls to grow on the trees? <laughs> of course, of course. That, that's totally how we do this around here. My mind went to a terrible place, and that's where I'm just <laughs> leaving it there. Uh, we talk about juicing bulls. Um, there's no other way to put this baku was an unmitigated disaster for the team in red it's bad charles leclerc scored his sixth pole position of the season the prancing horse would have neither car make the flag 
On lap nine, Carlos Sainz suffered what we think is a break-by-wire failure that shut his car down. Unfortunately, it appears that it actually might have been tied to the drivetrain. Uh-oh. And that put us into a VSC. Charles Leclerc pits from second place to get a reduced cost pit stop. Everyone cycles around. He's in control of the race. And then his engine decided to go full V10 era. Big boom. Oh, no, no. Down the main straight. Both Ferraris are out of the race. And to compound their problems, Kevin Magnussen suffers what appears to be a pretty identical failure to Charles. And Guan Yu Zhou, who, oh, my God, get this man a break. He was having a good race. He was in the points. <sighs> um, had a not fer- Ferrari related, but for the culture, still Ferrari related overheating problem. Oh, so the end result of all this is that Mats Verstappen and Sergio Perez finish one, two. Red Bull gets another one, two finish. Leclerc's now almost guaranteed a power unit related penalty as early as the Canadian Grand Prix, which is probably on by the time you're listening yeah, to this. If uh, if he has to take a third tur- or another turbocharger, he will take a 10 place grid drop in next race. And he's 34 <laughs> points behind Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship. Ferrari are now 80 points behind Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship. This is the third 1 2 for Red Bull in five races. So, Dre, level with me. Hmm. Are Ferrari's championship chances over? Probably. Um, I, I don't like calling these things early because we still have 14 races left. A lot can happen in 14 races. But with the sheer amount of backfootery that Ferrari are now under, where Charles is more than a race back, there is now a very good chance he's not winning the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend, which would put him even further behind Max. And, you know, for all the talk about Red Bull's retirements early on in the season, none of them are power unit related, let's not forget. They're all finger trouble. Yeah, like, the, the as far as we're aware, the Honda power unit is largely a reliable one. Well, certainly more so. Well, than, well, uh, well look at this, Dre. Like, mm. Red Bull only fitted their second internal combustion engines this race. Everyone yeah. else did in Spain. Yeah. As it stands, Red Bull are on pace to use their free components for the year. Like, they are on pace. Like, this was this was race 8 out of 22. Their stuff spent the last seven races, really, maybe one eight-race stretch in there to make it work. Red Bull's on pace. Ferrari are already on the brink of penalties. Um, we're eight races in, uh, and it's not like it would be one thing if Ferrari were 34 points in front, at least you could say, well, okay, they're going to have to play catch up a little bit, at least Red Bull, you know, you never know what could happen there. No, no, they're behind and they're less reliable. This is a huge problem. Um, I wouldn't say 34 points is TKO worthy for Charles Leclerc in the driver standings, the constructors. 80 points, that's a huge margin. And Red Bull has been punching Ferrari in the dick every time Ferrari is, is fifth, screwed up. Is there, what was it, fifth win on the bounce? Yeah, they've won five straight as a team. Like, the, the, the last Ferrari win was Australia. <laughs> Where it's we not thought, a, it, like, okay, like, Ferrari basically has an unassailable lead. That disappeared in two races, and Red Bull has now done... Two maximum scores, one, two, plus fastest lap, 
in three races. Uh, yep, both races featuring a catastrophic power unit failure for Charles. Yep. And the yeah. other one was when Charles spun at Imola, and then Red Bull only dropped one point in the entire bonus point weekend because Perez finished third in the sprint. That was it. That was the only dropped point over the entire weekend. There's <laughs> still life in this championship, right? Uh, I mean, the problem the problem for Ferrari is that where are they going to do that damage back to Max? Because in case you haven't noticed, Max Verstappen is putting together another all-time great season. When the car is finished, he hasn't finished off the podium. And when the car didn't finish, he was nailed on for second place both times. Yeah. Like, Charles yep. Leclerc is going to end his career with 275 pole positions and 15 race wins. It's 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 crazy. It's it's not as crazy as the fact that Max Verstappen's already surpassed Sebastian Vettel total of podium scored at Red Bull. Like, forget the twenty five wins because I knew that was inevitable. When they told me that he now had the most podiums for a Red Bull driver, it's like, no, that's made up. That is not a real statistic. Oh my god, I'm getting old. Can can, can somebody give our old friend Zoe a call? Like Max Verstappen has as many F one wins as Jim Clark does now. I this. <laughs> This is the tw- this was just twenty fifth race win. 25. He's getting back pay for all the years where he spent hoping that two to three wins a season was as good as it was gonna get. Well, and that's just it. All these podiums were backloaded. He only really started racking up podiums like this in twenty twenty when he was in uh, no man's land between everyone else and getting curb stomped by the W elevens. Yeah, this is. Um, and look, we're going to call Ferrari what Ferrari are. They're the same team they were when Sebastian Vettel was leading the team. They might build you a fast car. They might pay you an ungodly sum of money. Mm. But the rest, you're on your own, Chief. <laughs> the, the one that got me stat-wise, and it kind of sums up their two respective careers to this point, Charles Leclerc, that was his fifteenth career pole position. Like that's this a was great number of pole positions. Fifteen. He's had. He's had. That's, that's the third most any Ferrari driver has ever Four had. Four on the bounce. Four on the bounce. Six this season. He's not qualified off the front row all year. That this whole lap he had a back who was so good. Yeah, his, his qualifying lap was. Oh, Alice. sector two. Oh God, it was not. It was. It was filth. It was. It was inch perfect. Look, it was his fifteenth career pole position. He's had. Four race wins in his career. Max Verstappen has had fourteen career pole positions. He has twenty-five race wins. Like uh, there's there's another stat that came out. Max has more. He has converted on wins with Charles on pole more than Charles has. <laughs> that is not a good. St- and we saw it again in qualifying that. Max really can't get the most out of this car in qualifying, whereas, like, they couldn't have made this car more perfect for Sergio over a lap because he loves understeering cars. He always has. And so Perez beat him in qualifying. In the race, Max caught him as his tires went off. Kind of, sort of got let past. Immediately pulled a three-second gap on him and then put pulled, by the end of the race, 21 seconds on his teammate. I had a big stop in hand. He had a pit stop in hand on raw race pace over his teammate. And without the Ferraris in the picture, the chart of fastest lap times is a Red Bull bloodbath. They are the only ones in the 146s. 
uh, no to quote the great Chris Berman, to quote the great Chris Berman on a random ESPN commercial, some spread, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are on their fastest. Uh, besides Ferrari, they were one second clear of the field this weekend. Yeah, it's because uh, nobody else worth a damn made the flag. <laughs> yeah. It's like for three Ferrari assumed power units, one Ferrari with a Sauber related failure. And the problem is for Ferrari, they don't know how to fix it. They don't yeah. know what's wrong. Like I saw like my uh, my old mucker Atali and JJ Abrams get interviewed about this after the race by Karun Chanhok. He didn't have a clue. No, like it's like he just does not know what the issue is. They do not know what is causing these issues, and this has now come up twice in the last three races, and there seems to be no quick fix. It's like everything we thought Red Bull might be after Australia is happening to Ferrari, and it's punching them even harder because Ferrari are giving up open wins here. Leclerc should have won in Spain. He was leading by fourteen seconds when his car died. He was leading by 12 seconds in this race when his engine died again. Yeah. And, like, there, there, there's, nothing, uh, there's nothing you can do when your car keeps failing you. There's nothing yeah. you can do. And, I mean, this, this was a big, this was big boom. This sounded like Lewis's engine when it popped in Malaysia 2016. Oh, it was, I think I, think I described it to you, King, as a, uh, New Pope engine blowouts when there was the amount yeah. of smoke that was coming out of the car. Uh, not so much the smoke for me, the sound it made when it went spoke to bottom end, and that is fundamental in the engine. Um, so <sighs> even then, like, what positives can you take out of this besides qualifying? Their race pace wasn't as good as Red Bull's. Their strategy probably put Leclerc in a situation where he probably wasn't going to win anyways. He probably would have ended up P2. I mean, King, how, how dead is it, Jim? Uh, something fundamental would have to change, like to really shape, to reshape the competitive balance in a way that Ferrari would be able to claw back points because they don't, they they, in terms of reliability, they don't need to be equal to Red Bull. They need to be better than Red Bull at this point. And they need to be faster. And they, these two cars have they. What's nice about these cars? They do have two genuine X factors. Mm. The problem for Ferrari is that Red Bull's X factor actually matters when you pay the points out. Yep. Their race pace is just better than Ferrari's is. Having a fast having a fast car over one lap will only ever get you so far. <laughs> and all it gets you really is be the right to start the race in front. Uh, and that's not as big an advantage sometimes as you might think it is. And well, it didn't matter anyway because Perez just jumped him into turn one and pulled a two-second gap on him. Yep, yep, happened again. It's uh, not ideal, to say the least. <laughs> God. Hey, should we talk about something uh, a little less, uh, little less bleak? Do we want to uh. talk about cars <laughs> bouncing? Uh, yeah. Boing, 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 yeah. boing, 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 all the way down the main just street. Thinking about, uh, just thinking about someone driving over a speed bump and, and somebody else going, is this porpoising? Because that's been the big buzzword of 2022. And after the race, one of the big talking points was Lewis Hamilton struggling to get out of his car at the end of the race because he was complaining about back pain throughout. Now, we know the Mercedes W13 
has been porpoising so violently that the entire safety of the paddock has been called into question by some, but also against, as not every team is experiencing the same issue. There's also been a clip going around of Daniel Ricardo in the background while Pierre Gasly is talking, really trying to stretch out back muscles. Uh, King, I want to start with you. Where does the direction of F1's porpoising issue go from here? Oh, man. Uh, <clears throat> I I want to say the first word that comes to mind is consensus, but it goes much further than just consensus. You need like anonymity, where where you, you like you need everyone to be on board with a, like whether there should be a solution or not to resolving porpoising. Because again, in some ways, in terms of long term driver health. This is actually an issue. Short term, however, maybe we could wait till next year to actually come up with a solution. But obviously, for some for some people, uh, it'd be in a lot of people's self interest if you know if there if there was a solution now and things had to be changed for every car in the grid. This is. <clears throat> at least in my observations, a very sticky political situation. Because on Sunday of the race, Jonathan Noble over at Autosport posted a very intriguing column where he essentially said that, hey, the FIA had gotten wind of what the car designs were looking like at that point in time last year. They looked at how low the cars were running, and the FIA said to them, we see what's going to happen here with this ground effect arrow. You're probably going to start bouncing up and down up the ground, and this could be dangerous. Um, do you guys maybe want to have a uh, minimum ride height rule put in so that, you know, everybody ends up all right? The teams, go fuck yourself, um, was basically their response. Um, and... A lot of people have just taken this because the big image was Hamilton struggling to get out of the car. And as I've always said, things about Lewis Hamilton don't get argued in good faith on the internet anymore. Um, so immediately everybody jumped in the driver safety wagon like, this is, not, this is dangerous. Now look, I mentioned this in my race review. I've watched enough from other sports to know that this could be a problem long term i'm not a doctor i'm not gonna pretend <clears throat> like i am but i've seen enough from places like soccer from bobsleigh racing you know from rugby and how they generally handle you know head injuries and, the, and whatnot. Uh, I, I would say that we know we know what the health effects are going to be yeah the problem is is solving them because there's a couple of ways you could hmm the problem here is that uh, teams don't want to raise their cars because if they raise the car, ground effects don't work when you don't have a seal. So you lose downforce. You lose performance. Mm -hmm. Right now, Mercedes and a few other teams, because it isn't just Mercedes, but it None. also isn't everyone. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're choosing performance over the comfort of their drivers, over the health of their drivers at this point. Um, no different to how with the cars being heavy, some people were running pretty much without any drink system earlier this year. Yeah. And 
the teams aren't going to want to do that. What the teams really want, what a few teams really want, is an immediate return to the trick, hydraulic, and heave damper suspension that we ran last year and pretty much every year uh, up to this point since heave dampers came into the sport. There are problems with this, though. We are in a cost-capped age. Are you going to be the one who sits there and tells Red Bull and Alpine and McLaren, yeah, well, we know you're not really suffering from the problem, but everyone else gets a uh, ballpark here, a uh, 20 million euro exemption from the cost cap to redesign their gearbox suspension and tub to use the old suspension. That will go down like a lead balloon. Okay, what did uh, what was the term you descri- you used to describe uh, the economic situation that's going on in a lot of places where we have not just a failing economy but also a staggering inflate increase in inflation? How did you describe that? No, I saw a tweet circulating that referred to that with you know like we're headed we're definitely heading towards an economic recession and you know also while also having rampant inflation i heard it referred to as quote someone jokingly tweeting out economists say economists are saying we're entering the the lull zone <laughs> is that good <laughs> i i don't think it's good no um, the lull zone is not good no this is like again a lot of us on the internet seem to be pointing our frustration in the wrong areas here look i completely understand the concern about driver welfare this is a good thing on the whole and you know, i've yes. always said empathy is good yeah i'd much rather have too <clears throat> much than not enough um that is i think always the healthier way to go as far as i'm concerned unfortunately we are in a sport that people want to win and unfortunately, they are not going to think with the driver's health as their first priority. And then we've seen proof of that over the way this season has played out. Because look at Mercedes. Mercedes has openly admitted that they're experimenting with Hamilton's car as much as they can to try and get anything they can do to try and get them back up the field. They are hurting bad that they are currently locked into third place in the constructors this year. They are not going to be beating Ferrari and Red Bull. They are not going to be retaining their championships this year. It is over for Mercedes in 2022, as far as I'm concerned. So they're going to try everything they can outside of a complete car redesign for now to try and bridge this gap. And unfortunately, they have gotten the design of this regulation is completely wrong. There is no other way of describing it. They, they, I mean, yeah, I mean... On Sunday, because the, the, this is easily the most severe the porpoising has been, but it's not just aero porpoising, it's also actual physical bouncing on the ground because you run these cars slammed on the ground uh-huh. and you run them with ultra stiff suspension. Yep. That's how the Mercedes works, that's where its aero map is designed to be. Mm. And it just doesn't work. There's no compliance in the car. You'd watch the Red Bull, and the Red Bull would hit a bump oscillate and then immediately dampen out the mercedes would just start out oscillating all the way down the straight yeah um and that's really not it's not sustainable for the drivers but you need what eight teams to uh you need eight teams to agree on it as a technical side of things and 
everyone, as far as the drivers to agree on a safety side of things, it's not going to happen. No, I did not believe it for a damn second when Toto Wolf said the only driver opposed to this was Fernando Alonso. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> if it came down to a vote right now, if it meant them losing performance to have a less bumpy time, I guarantee you half these dudes would say no. And... Yeah, because uh, look, just look at the grid as it is right now. McLaren has already come out and said, yeah, well, if, you ha if you're having problems, just raise your ride height. That's what we did. Yeah. Um, Alpine doesn't really have the problem. Alpha doesn't really have the problem. Red Which Bull Alpha? doesn't really have the problem. And Alpha Tari uh, will vote exactly as Red Bull does. Yeah. Um, from, a, from a political standpoint, all you need is one midfielder to keep the way to keep the keep it the way things are, and that'll be enough to put us in the political deadlock. <laughs> and in 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 today's uh, post race support from AMUS, most of the grid is just like this sucks to be you, Mercedes. Now you yeah. know how we felt all those years. And yeah. While that's really not a great uh, point of view to take for the driver's sake, ultimately the teams are in control here. No. Yeah. You gave and, and, the teams too much dinner at the table, and now they won't leave. Um, yeah. And, and, and the whole do something immediately argument, for me, reeks a lot of the Pirelli 2013 tire dilemma. Mm -hmm. Only this time, instead of going full hands off, the FIA went out of their way to warn the teams. Yeah. They yeah. warned them a year out. <sighs> the straight up, hey, we see what's happening. Don't look good. We could we could work together and resolve this. And you straight up said no. Mm -hmm. Look, as look as someone um, who is socially impaired and, and hates asking for help, uh, even when they need it, I, I can relate in this instance. But it it also implies that either one, they didn't tell the drivers how bad it was going to be, or two, they gave dri drivers the assurance that hey, we'll get this fixed by the time the season starts. Don't worry. And only some teams did, and, and it makes it worse when, when Dre talks about the side of, you know, arguing good faith, when the two teams on the absolute opposite ends of the spectrum, as far mm. as thriving or suffering, are the two protagonists from last year. Yeah, because Red Bull are fine, and Christian Horner even said the quiet part out loud on Sunday night after the race when he says, look, if we had a porpoising problem... We tell our complaint. We tell our drivers to bitch about it as much as they could on the radio too, yeah. <laughs> because that's the political game. Like I've said it a hundred times, these are not these team bosses are not your friends. They are not people to admire. They are not rational, objective thinkers. They are politicians. They are yeah. only looking out in the best interests of their teams, not the drivers, not the fans, and not and certainly not any other team in the paddock. They're yeah, the enemy. Because, like, yeah, anytime they step through those paddock gates, they're there to do one thing, and it's to win the game. Whether it be that weekend's race or the championship across the whole season, they are there to win. You're there to you're there to win the war. And unfortunately, the drivers are kind of caught in the crossfire on this, but the the power is not in the hands of all the drivers, because if it was, and all the drivers agreed, they could get it fixed. But you they won't. think the red you think the Red Bull drivers are gonna agree to it when they are slapping the field as a result of their car not bouncing? Of course not. Why would no. they? There's, there's, it's, it's the same argument people have about having an eleventh team. If you're a team boss, why the hell would you want an eleventh team on the grid? Oof. What good is that for like, you? It's almost <sighs> like the decision shouldn't be in the hands of the team. No. 
but unfortunately, uh, they are. And uh, like the, the teams are not in this for you, listener. And as we love you, they don't care about you. And unfortunately, you know, they they will risk the short term health of their drivers if it gives them a better chance to win. I know that sounds sad. I know that sounds morbid. Yeah, this has been a very very interesting week on the subject of apathy towards motorsport athletes and their health. Of course, yeah, it's it, it's it's not been the brightest of weeks for that. And uh, and I think it'll. I I I find it personally unfortunate that I've got to be this harrowing regarding this. But I have to be disciplined with my knowledge of the sport and how people act to know that this is not going to get resolved easily. There's going to this, this like the teams are not going to come to an amicable agreement on this because they are all trying to beat each other every week at the end of the day. So why the hell would they collaborate together on anything unless there was a political incentive in it for them to make it work? And um, unfortunately. You know, and again, I I'm not going to pretend like I know what all of the long term health health issues are going to be. We a lot of us are still in the dark regarding yeah, this. Yeah, but it may but turn like, out fine. It may turn out like Sledhead, and I don't want the latter to happen. No, go well, think. like this is arguably arguably worse than Sledhead because you know you when you when you're slamming into the pavement six G straight into a carbon fiber material, your back's not going to be okay. <sighs> when you put no. it that way, fuck. Yeah, no, and uh, and really, what needs to happen is they need to start tabling some stuff for next year. Yep, because I think that that's realistically you should be aiming to change things for next year. Actually, work on a long term viable solution, and like I think a lot of the discourse on the internet is simply a lot of people just yelling and screaming, telling people what they want to hear, uh, and little to no ex- explanation on like how things are and how things probably are going to play out because people just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Pe- people just want, people just want to be, Oh, you don't care about the driver's health guy, or you just think you're biased against X team here guy. And it's not about that for me. It's about me. Like for me personally, it is just about being disciplined, having the knowledge of knowing how this sport operates and knowing where to point accountability. And unfortunately, it's unfortunately the accountability needs to be pointed a lot at these teams because of how they are. Like then they're not here to collaborate. And yeah. that's how sports goes with politics. Because the thing is, Mercedes could probably resolve this bouncing issue tomorrow if they wanted to. The issue is they would be absurdly slow on track. And, yeah, and, and any of the teams could be. But uh, what what they want, as any team should want in their position, and you can't blame them for trying, is to have an easy solution that's already on the shelf, install it on the car, and go do what Red Bull did in 2013. Get the regulation change that you've been screaming for all year, and then go run the field over. Yeah. And if that did happen, the FIA would be dragged through the mud. Oh, (laughs) hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And look, this is a sport that is ultimately based on five-year cycles if anything it was weird that we got to the point where the last one really was eighth <laughs> I mean, like you know we had a shark fin change in the middle of that of that eight-year block but it didn't really have a major effect on the field um this generation of car is 
in year one, we had eight years of a previous era, and people are still figuring this out because this was such a radical change to the floor of these cars. And if some of the finest engineers in the world, like Mercedes, have failed to figure this out, good luck to everybody else. Um, because like I said, this is all over the place. Some people got it right. Some people got it wrong. There is no chance of a united front between the teams for that very reason alone. And there is no quick fix to any of this, unfortunately. And as I wish there was. Unfortunately, there isn't. And yeah, if, if you want to take your frustration out on something on the internet, I highly recommend you point it in the direction of the teams. Preferably not their social media admins. They just they're innocent bystanders. But even well, so, you know they, they are the front. Like if you want to complain to the teams, you have to contact yeah. them somehow. Yeah, and just say, look, if you really do care about your driver's safety, raise your car up three inches. But unfortunately, well, now wait you- a minute. Yeah, <laughs> not, not that much. <laughs> but you know, unfortunately, every inch counts, folks. Um, that, it, it was in the Godzilla poster. Don't look at me. Um, but um, but. Unfortunately, these teams are prepared to risk that short-term health risk if it gets them a couple of extra spots in a race. And unfortunately, given what I know about athletes in most professional sports, a lot of them will make that same sacrifice too. I don't think this is a as big a dispute as some people want it to be. Lewis Hamilton said he was fine uh, Monday morning after the race. He says he's sore, but he's looking forward to racing in Canada. Which, you know, that's good if he can. But, you know, how much is he getting through it? We'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, folks, uh, we had some lopsided results in today's race. Uh, did you agree with the aforementioned Lewis Hamilton getting driver of the day? Or did someone else perform to stand out to you? I want to jump the gun and say that today was looking like it was going to be a marvelous day for Scootery Alfatari. Pierre Gasly ends up finishing fifth. He was running as high as fourth at one time. Yuki Tsunoda running as high as fifth, running sits, and then half his wing snaps. <laughs> Not the whole uh, thing. Half. Half. Ha- half of half. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Two, two-thirds of his DRS lap open. The last third did not. Yeah, like... I still love that people will always call Formula One the pinnacle of motorsport. And what did I see in the pit lane halfway through that race? Yuki Tsunoda's rear wing being fixed with duct tape. Duct tape. Wow. I'll have you know, duct tape is the pinnacle of tools. Oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, like it's like, does it move? It's like, yes. Shouldn't it? No, duct tape. <laughs> just... Damn right. <laughs> Engineering guidebook one hundred and one, right there for you folks. And poor Yuki, he was having a he was having a really solid race until that happened as well. Gentlemen, I only have one piece of good news to say here. Uh, get it off your chest. We're rebuilding the fucking church. Woo! Okay. We are we are building a church, and thanks to Yuki Sonoda's generous donation of a third of a rear wing. We were able to finish in sixth on the day. Aston Martin is back, baby. We're painting the church green. Tonight is Easter. Please don't, probably, don't ask where Lance Stroll finished. It's fine. Oh, my God. Probably, yeah. Just, just hold off on that because, yeah. Lance, not so great. Um, uh, Rest in piss, bozo. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, it could have been even better, but Vettel locked up, went down to escape road, and did a excellent spin turn. Oh, beautiful. Get Not lose too much time out on track. Uh, could have potentially gotten Gasly in that. I have no problem with Hamilton winning it. He put in a good drive. Um, otherwise, Gasly, this is the first time we've seen The first Pierre Gasly sighting of 2022. Glad Welcome back. Hmm. Yeah, P5, awesome drive from Pierre Gasly. Um, that was 2021 Pierre Gasly decided to rejoin us for this season. Glad, glad we found him in the shelf. Just uh, in time, just in time to potentially negotiate a new contract with a new team, or, no. or not? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I mean, yeah, a lot of lopsided results in there. We, we don't talk about Lance Stroll here. L L Lance Stroll cannot qualify on a street circuit to save his goddamn life. I just he want... was slow, and when he wasn't slow, he was crashing. I just want good things to happen for Mick Schumacher for once this damn season. <laughs> best I can do. Best I can do with slowest car that wasn't Latifi. Oh, oh. oh. nobody wants to be just struggling to get above the Latifi line. <laughs> on that, on that bombshell, um, we're racing in Montreal for the first time since 2019. This weekend, yes, Saturday. yes, I love Montreal. Oh, it's one of my northeastern home race. Yeah. I, I love Montreal. I love the track. I love the place. It's one of my bucket list Grand Prix. The the discourse after this year's race can only be better than the one from the last one. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember what the last one was. Why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> it was it was funny. It was funny. You, you I mean, can laugh I mean, at Sebastian, it now. Sebastian, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. <laughs> Y yes, we did. We did have to say it. That was a okay, that was that's a, valid. That was a bullshit call, and I literally nicknamed it the Montreal screw job. Or anything missing was one of the stewards looking like Earl Hebner. Like that, <laughs> that would have rounded it off perfectly. You, I, I edited in audio from the finish of the ninety for uh, ninety seven Survivor Series into that. <laughs> Beautiful. It's, it's like hopefully no sign swapping will be recorded. Will be, will be, will be needed, I should say. Um, because yeah, Canadian Grand Prix this weekend for Formula One. Um, back to back, the first time in three years we're racing there. Can't wait. Should be fun. Just mind the bumps, you know. Just throwing that one out there. Um, good luck, guys. You may need it. Um, that'll do it for this episode. Um, we can place you can find us one more time. YouTube.com, forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook, Motorsport 101, Twitter, and Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at CBuckley917. Uh, Instagram, Motorsport 101 pod. Website, Motorsport101.com for extra content as well. Um, and uh, thankfully, our Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Follow us on there if you haven't already um, for extra stuff too. I've been Dre Harrison. We'll be back next week where one IndyCar driver may or may not have won a triple crown of his own. Hi, Joseph. Until then, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Does anyone have a cup of orange juice? My throat hurts. <laughs> uh, the, best the, I can do, the best I can do is uh, flavored sparkling water. No. No. <laughs> I, I'd rather not have the, the lightning in a can. <laughs>